Good day, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. My name is Father Christian Anderson from St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stiegflerde. Uh, and next to me is always the dapper, the well-coiffed hair, Rabbi Matthew Durbin. And today we have an incredible guest who's going to continue our momentum of looking at the women in the Bible and revealing what sometimes is hidden or not talked about uh, a lot because, you know, let's be real, the men get a lot of uh, the showcase. So, but their God it has not hindered these women and empowered them for them to inspire us and to become the children of God that we are. And so we're going to bring on Rabbi Rose. Rabbi Rose is, as we know, uh, Rabbi Matthew Durbin's better half. So for this show, we will call her Rabbi the Greater and refer to Rabbi Matthew as Rabbi the Lesser or Rabbi the Elder, since he's 20 years um, older than her. Not really, like seven. Rabbi Durbin, is she seven? Seven? Two? Two years? That's it? Oh, gosh. All right, it's just two. All right, guys, so we got another episode. So you know what to do. Subscribe and share this with people who are really into some good interfaith work. Um, I'll be preaching over at the temple. Um, Rabbi Durbin had already preached um, over at St. Mary's. So we love the conversation that happens um, on, our, on our podcast, on our social media outlets about interfaith work and your thoughts. Uh, Rabbi Durbin, as you know, we, we got excoriated. We got panned by someone on Twitter and it was awesome just to have someone care enough to say a lot and yep. continues to say a lot to us. I actually thought it was great. Like, thank you for caring so much to like, let us know how bad you think we are. Um, so, um, all right, we are gonna tap out and get ready. We're gonna stretch our muscles, flex our tongues and get ready to speak with Rabbi Rose. And we're gonna probably shut up so we don't mansplain and allow her to lead us. So let's get ready for another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi that starts right now. A priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi. The opinions you hear from on this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Beit Hayam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, Grab your Bible or Torah and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. What is up, everyone? Good morning to everyone in Martin County and around the world. As you know, we are huge in Yemen. This is Father Christian from St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Steered, Florida. And... Um, Next to me is the dapper Rabbi the Lesser. Um, he is Rabbi Durbin the Lesser because we have another Rabbi Durbin on our show, and she is Rabbi the Greater. Um, and she is making a Rabbi Rose is coming back on the show today because we're continuing our discussion today. So don't change that dial because we're talking about women in the Bible. If you can't name 10 women right now in the Bible who transform the way we look at things as people of God, then you need to listen to this show because we're going to give you some more women that have been brushed under the carpet because the silly men over the years have just focused on all the men. Uh, but there are powerful women that God has raised up that are not just just not the hay for the ladies. These are powerful figures um, that uh, we lean on because of how they interpret it and live God's word. Um, so Rabbi the Lesser, are you okay 
with you being called Rabbi the Lesser since your wife today will be called Rabbi the Greater? I, uh, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Okay, this is good. So is, is it right to say that, that she's probably Rabbi the Greater? She, she, she's the Greater. She is Rabbi the Greater. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my wife is, um, uh, for, those that, uh, for those that don't know, she is, uh, she is my harshest critic, which keeps me on my toes. And we already hear the laughs coming in. That is Rabbi Rose Durbin. Um, she has flown in first class on Zoom Airlines. Um, Rabbi Rose, welcome to a priest and a rabbi, or welcome back to a priest and a rabbi. This is like, I think, your third third time showing up on the show. Is that right? That might be so. I only remembered one other time. Maybe I blocked one of them. You blocked it out of your memory? It was that Maybe, bad? Maybe, because I only remember one other time. Okay, so uh, and, and so the thing is, if this is your third time, at least your second, mm -hmm. um, how do you guys cut up the paycheck when you guys get all the money that comes from this radio show? Does it's it hard, you know. We have to decide, like, which fast food joint we're hitting with it <laughs> at night. It's a big decision. That's right. And Anastasia and I are in the same boat. We don't know if we should get, like, one gallon of gas or a Snickers bar. Exactly. So. It's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. Anyhow, so we got you on the show. Uh, it's always just good to have you on the show. But uh, first, can you just tell everyone, you, we know you're a rabbi, but what is your focus? you got a particular focus in your ministry. Can you, can you reintroduce yourself to the priest and the rabbi world? Absolutely. So, yes, I am the rabbi for the Hillel of Broward and Palm Beach, um, and I mostly focus my ministry um, in Boca, Florida Atlantic University. And our main focus is to get college students involved in Jewish life on campus. This is good. And, you know, Rabbi Rose is not afraid to talk about the heavy topics. <laughs> so she's with college kiddos. So whether it's talking about drugs, sex, and rock and roll, she's going to do it because they're talking about it. And they might as well have a person of faith who's going to help them make the best of choices. So Rabbi Rose is out fighting the good fight for your kiddos out there at FAU. Um, all right. So uh, can, can, before we just dump, jump right into this uh, about women in the Bible, we, we have two rabbis on the show who are married. Um, is this ever a, a, a notion of, or is it ever a challenge because you guys are just... I don't know, do you guys disagree on theology or liturgy or are you guys kind of on the same page with things? So you Christian, guys are what I like to tell people is we have an inner marriage because we have very different views about Jewish life. So it really does keep things interesting and exciting. No, I definitely come from a more maybe traditional viewpoint. And I would say yeah, I didn't see that one coming. I thought Rabbi the Lesser was going to be the more. I would say, what I mean by traditional, I would say, is that I am much more interested in the maybe the letter of the law, and maybe um, Rabbi Durbin would be more interested in the spirit of the law. What do you think, Rabbi? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's entirely possible. There are some things uh, <laughs> throughout the course of a, of a Jewish year that I I tend to be a little bit more traditional in my observancy or practice um other things that i tend to be uh, uh, a, a little bit more liberal well I, I, you know I, rabbi the greater I'm, I'm i'm glad you brought this up because there have been some things that rabbi the lesser has said where he's just like you know a little, little bit of uh movement with the scripture with the letter he's just like you know you know what's the spirit behind it and uh mm -hmm. you know some of my evangelical friends they just like it's like nails on a chalkboard with them so i, I that's a whole other show that i can't wait to bring you back on let's talk <laughs> about the letter versus the spirit of the law starring rabbi the lesser and rabbi the greater 
Um, okay, so that's not what we're here for today, though. Uh, so it's great to have you back. And what we want to talk about is something that you wrote extensively about, because this, I think, was what got you your master's degree, um, which was about King David and all of his divas and wives. Um, it, it is, uh, and so today, we want to continue talking about women in the Bible. And you have a lot to say, Let's, if we just live within King David, who is lifted up as the greatest king, the greatest leader, even though he was not winning Husband of the Year Award anytime soon, um, and had many, many faults, but we exalt him as this, as this great leader. Um, but behind this, you know, great leader, uh, were some women who were not just great women who supported their man, but really powerful, transformative women. And we want to learn all about that from you today, Rabbi Rose. Um, did, did, did I, did I uh, is that the spirit, the spirit of, of uh, your studies when, uh, when, when you were in school? Absolutely, yes. There's all this um, to do about King David and I'll give him the props he deserves. You know, he's a pretty important guy, um, but it wasn't just him. He did not act alone. He would not even gotten the opportunity of where he is. Um, if it wasn't for his first wife, Michal, and David is so famous and well-known, but his three named wives, people really haven't heard of them. And they have really a fascinating stories that I think the public demands to know, needs to know. This is right. And every time we've, we've had this focus where we're looking at Whenever we study the word and we study the scripture, there's the greatest hits. There's the people that we all know about. Um, and, and, but the word is so fascinating and there's so much that God has given us that because our culture has, let's say we've usually, so many of us who live in a patriarchal culture, um, that there's some folks who get marginalized. God didn't marginalize them. We marginalize them. So tell us more about the marginalization of these women who God certainly lifted up, but we kind of shelved a little bit or haven't given the attention that's due. Can you tell us first about these, these, these wives? Absolutely. The first one I'll mention was his um, third wife, Bathsheba, who might be the most famous of the wives. Um, she's, she was, she's immortalized in the Leonard Cohen um, song that was later used in Shrek, Hallelujah, when we talk about, um, you know, he saw her bathing on the roof, right? That's Bathsheba. And most people only know that story about her, that, that we were at war and um, Bathsheba's husband was um, fighting in the war for King David and he was in his castle, looks out to this beautiful woman bathing right on the roof for him to see and decides he wants her, uh, sends messengers to bring her over. They have relations. And um, when she, the only words she speaks in that whole story, this whole long story is I'm with child. And um, they, they marry, but the only way they can marry is for David to kill off her husband in battle. So again, showing Christian what you alluded to, not his menschiest side, right? Um, but that's usually the story that people know it. And they had, they did have one son that died in punishment for their sins. And then they had Solomon, who of course became the wisest king of Israel. Um, but the part that we don't often know about in the story is that later on Bathsheba becomes, um, really the key to Solomon's success. And she really becomes, um, his most senior counsel and advisor and really, and really helps guide some important decisions there but i only discovered that later in my studies so when you what what drew you first just to, to say you know for for this was for your masters right so you mm -hmm. you had to do a tremendous amount of research and really commit to this why what drew you to david's wives and the to, to the divas as you as you, as you <laughs> well i was always 
always interested in where are the women in the text. I always felt like our matriarchs, matriarchs got short shrift. And, you know, even the, the inclusion of the matriarchs in our traditional prayer service is a later addition for more, um, for more um, the liberal sects of Judaism. And so I always thought, why weren't they included from the beginning? Why aren't we talking about um, um, Leah and Rebecca as much as we're talking about, uh, you know, those dudes, Abraham and Isaac? Like, they are just as important and formative, just as Sarah, um, just as uh, Abraham was the first Jew, Sarah was the first Jew. And so I really always looked through the test looking for myself. And I think, you know, back when I was studying this, um, you know, the fight for kind of inclusion or diversity in, in our worlds was not quite as present for me as it is now. And so I think now there's much more talk about, wait, where, where's diversity on my television screen? Where's diversity in the things I buy? Where's diversity in what I read? But back then, this was like, you know, 20 years ago when I got started getting interested in this, it was sort of a new topic. And, and uh, I was very interested in Jewish feminism, which really was just something that started um, formalizing in the 70s. So before then, the 1970s, there, there wasn't any prominent voices yet of really pushing a, what would we could categorize as Jewish feminism? Well, there were voices here and there, certainly, um, but it really took a movement. And of course, it took the second wave of feminism in the 70s when when women really started joining the, the workforce and started realizing, wait, like we can't stay home and just make the Jewish house like we have to get out there and produce and, and help our families. So wait, if we don't bake the challah, the challah doesn't get baked. If we don't get Shabbat ready, the Shabbat, why is that? I have a job, my husband has a job in those traditional families. So all of a sudden it got to be, wait a second, if I'm as equal as my partner in creating the household, why don't I count in a prayer minion? Why don't I have the same responsibilities and obligations as a man? And that's really when Jewish feminism started saying, wait, there's actually nowhere in the Torah it says we cannot do these things. This Rose, Rabbi Rose is just dropping it right now, everyone. We are on the air right now with Rabbi Rose, who is uh, at FAU and uh, works with the Hell Out Foundation out there. She is also the better half of Rabbi Matthew Durbin. And we're on here talk talking about uh, her studies that he's done on King David and all of his divas, his wives. As uh, Divas is the language that I'm repeating from Rabbi Rose, by the way. So let's get back to King David. So tell us more. So we know about Bathsheba. That's one of the probably the most famous one. But his other two wives, um, tell us some more, some, some good bullet points there for us to know about. Hey, guys, you're trying to, we're all trying to study the word of God. We're trying to understand God better. And if you want to get deeper into the text, you've got to know this about these two gals. Exactly right. David... Um, came from nothing. Now, of course, there's um, um, legend has it that when he, um, you know, defeated Goliath, he made a name for himself. But really, um, the way he got into the royal family was through Michal. Michal really took an interest in him, um, King Saul's daughter, and fell in love with him. And this is really the first incident. Um, well, there's, there's one time in um, uh, in the beginning of the, the Torah, when when Rebecca de um, declares she loves Isaac, but other than that, this is the first time that a woman in the Bible declares out loud and not just in her thoughts and hearts, "I love him, I want him to be mine." She really um, directed the course of her own destiny, which was very rare. Um, um, and if that, if I have anything to believe from that statue I saw, David was a hottie, so I can understand why she was interested, but. 
So she nagged him and he was obviously, listen, he was obviously uh, a beautiful magnetic man. Her brother, Jonathan loved him too. And so that's a whole nother story we can talk about another time. But Michal really helped get him where he needed to be and even had to distance herself from her father, the king, who would have beheaded, who would have killed her with no problem if she went against him. Um, but she went out of her way to trick the king to save David and elevate him. And what did she get for her troubles, my friends? She was punished because one day um, David came home from battles, dancing in the street, hamming it up. And she said to him, this is not a respectful way for the king of Israel to behave. And after that, you don't hear of her again. She, she lived a narrative death. She just dies and she's not given any children, which is the ultimate punishment for a woman of the Bible. So you're saying she was uh, excommunicated or at least sidelined. She became a pariah because she criticized the king. Exactly right. And we just never hear from her again. And there was a time when you came out and you publicly criticized Rabbi Matthew Durbin and he attempted to sideline you, but that didn't work. I'm sure that didn't go over too well. So that's not how things go in the, in, in the Durbin household, right? You are, are, you, you are uh, able to used criticize, to me criticize giving him love and criticism that, you know, he, he's really grown very strong. But it's, it. it's, it's it. interesting when you go back, you know, Father Anderson to like last week's, you know, series, when we're talking about where are all the women and why are women's voices either stifled or or silent? And and I think given the example here with with Michal, it's she challenged the patriarchy. You know, she challenged David. I mean, I exactly in that phrase of being able to say, this is not befitting of a man of your stature who is the king of Israel to prance around like a madman. It's not, it's not befitting. And for her to be silenced and to, to, to effectively her narrative be cut short shows really the power and the influence that men had on creating the Bible. If we subscribe to the understanding that as Jews, uh, we understand, or at least as progressive Jews, that we understand the, the Torah as divinely inspired by God, but written by, by human beings, written by men. Now, now, just going back to before, the difference between letter of the law and spirit of the law, Rabbi Rose, the greater, do, do you agree with Rabbi Matthew, the lesser, um, on that statement about inspired by God, but written by man? Well, I, yes, I do believe that in the sense that somebody had to write it down. So human beings wrote it down, yes. But I do think when they wrote it down, did they take some liberties um, um, as far as their political context, social context, et cetera? I believe they did. Yeah, I think good critical analysis of, 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 of the Bible, uh, good scholarship will show that. And we, we, we even see the grammatical errors and issues that have. But again, now we're going down another rabbit hole of another podcast. So let's, bring, let's, let's bring it back to the gals. Let's bring it back to the gals. Let's bring it back to the gals. Okay, uh, uh, so we've got we got a little bit of. Can we go back to Be, uh, Beersheba? Um, what would you say is one thing that we should know about Beersheba, though, too? Be, that um, because what she does sometimes, I think, and I'm just speaking as a Christian, is that she's just the one who David lusted over, and the focus is really on David. Mm. Um, but what do we, what can we learn as children of God from from her um, from her story? 
Well, Christian, I think there's a few things we can learn. We can really start looking at things from her perspective, right? We always look at things from David's perspective. He saw her. He wanted her, right? All of the all of the verbs, and of course, we know that um, the text is so sparse, and so it's all action verbs: took, wanted, saw, and so, um, and so we really see it from her his perspective. But we we can also look at it from Bathsheba's perspective. Maybe she was a strategic young lady. Maybe she had a bathtub in her home that she wasn't using. Why was she on the roof? Did she know that she was in the purview or the, the visage of the king? What was her ankle there? Could there be anything to that? Was she ambitious? Um, did she have lust of her own? That, that isn't mentioned in the text. So there's all these, this inner life about Sheba we're not let into. We're only let into King David's wants and needs and desires. But so she doesn't have the power to bring um, her destiny in, into being the way that women do now. She had to use maybe some other means to an end and be really strategic and thoughtful. And of course, the, I'm, I'm in maybe inputting what I want for her as a modern woman to have needs and ambitions and desires. But I tend to think humans are what they are. And women then were very similar to human beings now. So that's something I, I always like to think about is well, what, was, what was she aiming at? Listen, she was doing okay. Her husband was a, a, a really powerful guy in the army. Her life was fine, but what does she become? Queen and mother of the queen. So look at it from that perspective. And also I um, really um, encourage people to check out the rest of her story. They only know that one part. I think, and I, I'm sure Rabbi the Lesser would support this, that I'm sensing a one-woman show starring Rabbi Rose as Beersheba and filling out, doing a midrash on, on what, what is going on in the mind of this woman. And you can add all of this wonderful uh, uh, interpretation or understanding. You, there, there is a, a, there's an open canvas for you, Rabbi Rose, I'll buy first. I'll buy the uh, first 10, 10 rows of, of the. Uh, my opening act, Christian. Anything I can do. Anything I can do. All right. So now we're we're, we're two for two. We we there, there, we have another another wife, my wife, um, that we have for for David. <laughs> and um, can you can you tell us about this third one? Let's get the trifecta going. Absolutely. So his second wife. So Michal got him the power he craved, and then he needed some resources because he became king. But he came from nothing. He didn't have those same resources that Saul had had. So he met beautiful Abigail, who was a woman of a married woman of great means, and um, and he, she became his wife. And all of her land and wealth came with. And she gave him a, a lot of guidance about um, how to rule and how to um, use his resources better. And the the name Abigail is one of the most popular names used, but I don't think her story is out there. So when do we, but how much of the text, and this is where I'm gonna lean on you two, because, uh, <clears throat> well, you, you guys know Hebrew scripture a lot better than I do. Um, and and what, how much of the text gives us though about Abigail? Uh, do, do we- Actually quite a bit, because since these stories are um, after the five books, they're, they're in the, the books of Kings and Judges, they're much more, descriptive there's much more conversation narrative back and forth it's still sparse but it's much less so than the five books and so you really hear back and forth you you hear flirting between abigail and david you hear that you you can you're able to see kind of between the lines of what she has to offer and again i tend to think that she's a woman of great strategy as well um 
you know, I, I picture her as kind of the young wife to maybe a rich older guy who doesn't really do it for her. This again, this hottie comes up, this powerful hottie, and she's she knows how she wants to better herself. And she really helps him figure out how to stay safe and get the resources he needs. And there's quite a long description about their interactions. So she is uh, in 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 the Bible, she is the one helping David figure out strategy. Yeah, well, basically they not this is just for like this this very this period in his kingship when he was still really trying to he was a new king he was trying to come to power um and you know there were people against him you know there were a lot of political maneuverings and so she really kind of helped him get a footing um in that time and so she is the one that's really rewarded the most like you um it really seems like they had the most the least um controversial relationship gotcha now from all his other wives though because he had he had more than three right these are his three named wives it's important to say he had many other wives that weren't important enough to be named and and can we glean anything from them at all um or is it that the bible doesn't really give us just much we don't have a lot and so all we can glean is that we can think to ourselves, it's not that maybe there weren't other wives that were as significant or as helpful. I imagine there were more than three wives that he had that helped him in numerous ways. What I tend to think of is that these three wives must have been so exceptional to be mentioned because that's what it took for a woman in the, in the Torah to be mentioned. So I imagine his other wives were influential and were helpful, but it took so much to actually get your name passed down from generation to generation and be recorded. Well, I just want you to know, uh, Rabbi Rose, that um, I'm, I'm looking at our Facebook live stream right now, and uh, there's plenty of people commenting, and one of them is from Cher Fisher, and her statement is, Rabbi, Ro- Rabbi Rose is cool. And I'm letting you know that uh, Rabbi the Lesser over here and Father Christian have never gotten that that, that comment from, from Cher Maybe Fisher. Maybe they don't see your sweatpants, Wendy. I'm just trying. I'm trying. I'm using the, the, the smiley emojis, everything to get shared to, to, to call us cool, but I'm probably going the opposite direction. Well, I appreciate you know. that. Thank you very much. That's why they pay me the big bucks down at FAU to connect with those college kids. That's right. That's right. Uh, so speaking of big bucks, we're, we're going to take a quick break um, so we can honor the people given just big bucks to keep the show going and we can fly in people like uh, Rabbi Rose Durbin. Uh, when we come back, we say, well, how does... We, we want to, how does this pertain to present day that what Rabbi Rose is talking about? How does it help glean on our walk with God? But also importantly, I want to, Rabbi Rose, I want, our, our, both of our religions have a history of minimizing the voice of the woman inside either the temple or the church. And how have you seen that your study and your work with, uh, as a, I don't know if it's okay to call you a Jewish feminist, would that be? Or... Bring it on, absolutely. Okay, great. I know you're much more than just that, but I know that's that's one 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 descriptor. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the, how do you, how do you use this understanding and this gleaning on the text to help work with the women and men um, that that you work with over at FAU? So we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with Rabbi Rose here on a priest and a rabbi. 
everyone, it's Evan Nine, producer of A Priest and a Rabbi. Thank you for tuning in and being part of this community. We love developing new partnerships with this podcast to help further the interfaith movement. To join us, please email Father Christian at yourfavoritechristian at gmail.com. You can have an advertisement right here on this podcast, which is currently heard across the USA and in 34 other countries. Thanks for being here, and do not forget to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you're listening from. Now back to A Priest and a Rabbi. Welcome back to the award-winning Priest and a Rabbi radio show with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin. Let's get ready for the second half of the show. And you know, it always warms our heart to hear Todd Newton, the Emmy Award-winning game show host, lead us back into part two of A Priest and Rabbi. If you're just joining us, my name is Father Christian. I am with Rabbi Matthew Durbin, the lesser, uh, because Rabbi the Greater is with us, uh, his better half, Rabbi Rose. I'm coming in all the way from FAU, uh, and Rabbi Rose, if you get confused which one is whom, she is the one with the pink hair, the rose-colored hair, um, which really helps us. I, I'm always the one who picks up the books that says, you know, the Bible for dummies, whatever for dummies. So, like, Rabbi for dummies, I'm the dummy. I know which rabbi I'm talking to because of the color of the hair, so this is great. Um, for any of you who are uh, at your office or listening to right now, you can always watch the Facebook stream of this so you can see what Rabbi Rose looks like and you can see why they're, where the beauty came from and their daughters. It was from the mom, um, thank God. And then also uh, we want you to subscribe and like our Facebook page so you can get updates and we put out jokes and, and other good things that happen on the Facebook page and subscribe to our podcast. All right, part two of this episode. So Rabbi Rose, uh, once upon a time, we had a, uh, an Anglican priest all the way from Canada, something you two know a lot about. Uh, and she would describe herself as a, as a feminist theologian. Mm. Uh, and so she shedded light on a lot of... Uh, characters in the Bible that I will admit at that time, I didn't know about uh, because just that's just who I am, a very limited man. Uh, but she, uh, but I try to surround myself with smarter people. And so she helped me understand what was a big one, Rabbi uh, the Lesser, uh, the, the, the daughters of Ledesetnek, what is it? <laughs> the daughters of Zalapapad. That's, yes. that's, that's impossible. It, it sounds like some Eastern Soviet bloc country that, you know, flew, you know, the Iron Fist of Gorbachev or something. Okay, so the, the daughters of Slomov, what is it? The Lothachad. If you all don't know about these women and how you want to be empowered and know, understand how, where we, how it, how the, 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 the audacity they had. Um, to change the way that we did things as people of God and how you sometimes the world belongs to the bold and you just can't sit around and wait for life to smack you in the face. Uh, Rabbi Rose, can, can, you, can, you, can you share with us just a, a, a good Cliff Notes version of the daughters of Salahazun Bacham? Well, sure. Well, they're the first ones. Their father died and there were five daughters and they weren't married and they fought to win the inheritance of their house and land and they won it. And it was really the first time that women, first of all, claimed their rights and publicly challenge the system. And it really is one of our source texts for us saying, hey, why are women second-class citizens religiously? Like this, has, this is a battle that was um, won long ago because of these heroic women. Yeah, the, the stories like that. And then 
Hannah and the temple always got me just because I'm a, I'm a liturgical guy and having, you know, all the biggest wars that happen inside the church are usually around the altar. So you have a woman coming and being like, You're right. If women were in charge, we'd be emoting and loving each other and <laughs> killing each other with missiles. So I think that really, yeah, Hannah is definitely one of my heroes. Our, our, um, our smallest daughter is named after her. And, um, she, our youngest daughter's first name in Hebrew and in English is Delilah. And I'm thinking of her now because that's definitely a woman of our text who at least Matt and I have reclaimed. Um, and I was thinking about her a little bit when I was thinking about Bathsheba before because, you know, Delilah has such a bad rap. She cut Samson's hair. She's a Philistine. Um, um, but I, when I was pregnant with her, I was teaching a class about her at, at Temple and Matt and I sort of realized, wait, not only is it a super cool name that we might want to use, but also she maybe she was a woman who claimed her own destiny. Maybe this was her way to help her people the best way she could. And so it, it, again, we had to flip the script on her. And maybe that was just our justification for choosing this adorable name, but it works for us. So why for Delilah, since this is, this is a good moment for us, we're throwing out names here, which is great. I think if anyone listening to this podcast or radio show are looking for strong female characters in the Bible to help them understand God's movement, uh, we want to be able to give that to you. And so tell us a little bit more about what does our culture usually say about Delilah? Well, sure. Well, Delilah usually has its semicolon, semicolon whore, semicolon traitor to the Jewish people, right? I mean, it's she is associated with uh, some uh, very, um, all of the derivative tropes um, that the world has to offer women. And I think that if you flip it around and look from her perspective, um, she, this was a way for her to come into her power and take any control over her life. I mean, back in the days of the Bible, and it's still this way really uh, in many places around the world, um, if, if, and I would say even culturally, it was just coming out of this, that if you're not a wife or a mother, you're nothing. And so for her, um, this was the, uh, an, a third path to becoming something. Yeah, that, it, and, it, and it wasn't that long ago. My, my grandmother had two options. She could be a nurse <laughs> or, or, or I think like a, a dental hygienist or something. Exactly. That was not it. Why my mom, who has three brothers, they're doctors. She's a nurse. She's just yeah. the smartest one. Uh, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. So, um, all right. So when you are at FAU and you are working with all the future leaders of America who are going to help take us out to pasture at some point, because, well, I'm sorry. Rabbi Durbin, the lesser in myself, you're still a young buck. Um, so <laughs> how do you use this fuller understanding, I would say, uh, more encapsulating understanding of scripture, where it's not just the, the traditional male heroes who we focus on, um, but you bring in the women. Does that, do you see a shift sometimes with your students who are just like, wow, I never knew that. And wow, that's so empowering, especially for the women. Absolutely. I mean, it, it starts for us at home. That's why we were so thoughtful about the names we were giving our three daughters, because we really wanted them to learn from their names and carry some of these values out into the world. And just like we're raising, we hope, three little Jewish feminists in our home, um, I bring that same spirit to FAU, where, yes, these are stories that, listen, most Jews haven't heard of, most people of faith haven't heard of, and especially um, the students I work with who, even if they did go to Hebrew school or religious school, you know, they, they blocked a lot of that out, and um, 
and they didn't get to and now they're at a age when they really are able to wrestle with some of these complex um ideas of of obligation and faith and 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 things between the lines of the text and it's the first time in their lives they're really open to new things they're finally away from their parents even if they're living with their parents still they're they we give them permission to think new thoughts and ideas and so um i have women especially from traditional backgrounds but all backgrounds come to me and said i had no idea about these women and i had no idea there was more of a place for me in our tradition and I, I, they're really able to run with it and so it's a really it's a really exciting age to be, to be. this is when in, in in the christian church or just in the church it is there's there's a big part that says there shouldn't be female leadership and leadership and they'll look to and they'll quote scripture on that um but so they look at the apostle paul and he talks about women sitting in the back and putting the doily over your head or whatever it's called and just don't say a word um but apostle paul also speaks out of the other side of his mouth later when he's in a different community and he's lifting up women preachers deacons uh so it seems like paul is really being a contextualist where if he knows they're in rome like hey ease up we, we want the church to survive here you can't be doing this female leadership thing but when we're in other parts, when we're in, when we're in Ephesus and other places, a little bit more, you know, maybe, I don't know if progressive is the right word. Um, yes, go for it. Uh, and so, so there's, there's, there's scripture. It's in the scripture. It's in the word. It's not, a, it's not like a progressive sect of people interpreting Judaism or Christianity saying, no, we're just going with the spirit of the law. It's, it's right there in the word. And, and would you say, when you talk about female empowerment and female strength, and you have a girl who's just like, or maybe she's very... Um, even a guy who comes to you and says, you know, Rabbi Rose, I think it's all BS. I mean, the Bible's clearly written by man, a man, like as in the, 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 the gender. Uh, and it's so pro-man, why would I ever want to follow this? And, and if, they, if they come to you with that, where do you start them with? Say, I, you know, I just want you to read this or look at this character. Where would, where, where's a good entry point? I, I, first, I start in, a, in, in the greater way. I said, okay, no one's going to really know the answer, right? Literally, God only knows the answer as to who, how this text came to be in 2021. You know how, and so what can we do to look at the text um, and appreciate what it's done for the world? So, like, the fact is, I believe that the Torah and our books are as convoluted as they are. There's so many questions left. There's so many personalities not explored because we were meant to wrestle with it for 2000 years. This was the plan. If, 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 if the Torah was so black and white and told us exactly what should be um, and spelled it out, I don't think Judaism would exist because literally what does Yisrael mean? Like wrestling with God. That's what we're here to do. And so let's just look at the miraculous nature of this text and, and how we can still find new things to talk about. We read the same stories every year in the Jewish tradition. And yet um, Rabbi the Elder somehow comes up with new takes every year because it, it, it is so, it is so, there's so much there. And so I think, um, this this look at women in the Bible is just one example. I mean, they've been there all along, but when we started looking at them in the 70s, in 50 years, maybe we're going to be looking at something totally different. And so that's what I really have the students focus on. And I think I think a big issue with our students, is, and especially when it comes to ideas of feminism, is this idea of um, authenticity. And especially for students that are coming from a more traditional background um, where women are um, 
are not as active participants in the prayer requirements, um, that um, letting them know that there's not just one authentic way to be Jewish and women can be more involved in the religious sphere and letting them know that's real and that's okay and that's just as authentic as another way to be Jewish, um, that can really open their minds to embracing the text for themselves as well. Yeah, at, uh, at St. Mary's, we recently hired a third priest and uh, the priest is a woman. Uh, so Patsy McGregor, she's been out in Madagascar for 30 years, planning churches with her husband. And so now she comes in and it's been a while since we had a female priest at St. Mary's. And it, it, this is not some kind of affirmative action thing like, oh, let's just have a woman and make it equal and stuff. It, we are uh, restricting the power of the Bible by only having, or if, if, okay, we have the luxury of allowing to have multiple leaders, let's put it that way. And then we have the luxury of being able to also have a woman and a man. And the advantage of that is that Father Todd and I are always gonna be looking through a male lens. That's, the, that's what God gave us, right? That's, that's what we have. So if we have the luxury to be able to expand that and say, now what is it like to have a woman who has a very different experience in this world, looking at that same scripture, preaching on that for her experience as a mother, as a wife, uh, and, and being able to preach that word and teach on that word and de develop programs in that word, it just opens up God's glory. Uh, and then you bring in a person of color, right? You don't just hire a person of color because that's just the right thing to do. Uh, you, you, you are able to expand the glory of God more because they bring in a whole different context of how they look at the Holy Scripture and how that speaks to them. And they bring, bring, bring those gifts to, to, to the kingdom. So it's, uh, it, it's just, I, I can see it already. There's things that come up where I'm like, this is going to, Reverend Patsy's the person for this because Todd and I will do our best. Um, but, you know, we're, just, we're two dudes <laughs> and, and, and God will work through it. If that's what we have, God will make it happen. But if we have the luxury of being able to say, no, we can have two leaders here, um, a, a, a female leadership and a male leadership, it just brings a whole other level um, and in an understanding of, of the scripture. And so that, that, that for, for me, that's always a further, I would love for the church to be an example of being so intentional about our leadership that it mirrors the communities that we serve. Because if it's just a straight white men, there's nothing wrong with the straight white men, but it is just one lens. It'd be really good to have many lenses to really keep, like you said, we're reading over the same stories year after year after year. And but we can go deeper and deeper and deeper uh, when, when there's a diverse eye on it. Uh, and, 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 you know, we, we, we do in some, in some degree, because we've done this with, within our own progressive reform movement, you know, 14 years ago, we issued, you know, a commentary. Uh, and the commentary itself was a women's commentary. So it was, it, was, it was drawing on women's voices, women as rabbis, their voices in terms of examining the text through a female perspective, uh, which has been very, been very helpful. I mean, I use it in my own studies with my students, with with everything else, just to be able to provide that that extra added layer that says maybe you weren't aware of this that we're able to really draw on it. So, Rabbi Rose, where would you, where do you still think the temple is getting it wrong? Where does where do you think that the temple in general, or maybe the movement? And I guess you can only speak to the reform movement or maybe you would speak, or, or maybe today's in general. And you, you can take the church. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, where is Judaism kind of getting it wrong in terms of feminism and inclusion? Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it, it just continuing this movement of how important it is to have 
just male and female leadership. And, and, and so do you think that the movement right now, and we, let's just speak to the reform movement, and you can comment also on the church, um, feel free to swing away. <laughs> um, do you still, do you think like we're in a really good path right now? Or are you still being like, we're not there yet because the, uh, you know the wealth that's in the word of God, you know the wealth about what would women offer and we're still kind of mansplaining some things and we're, we're not there yet. Or do you, so where you're at? So, you know, listen, we're definitely in the right trajectory. I mean, even there are now some modern Orthodox female rabbis that are that are becoming more and more, um, more and more being or given smicha or ordained every year. They're being shipped off to these big congregations, these huge congregations in Chicago, L.A., New York. So they're going to start making an impact. And these women are amazing. I've met them. They are the they are the future to to women being viewed as authentic leadership in the more traditional communities. But listen, we're never going to reach the ultra-Orthodox. That's fine. You know, that's, that's okay. We can focus on, um, on the rest of, um, of Jewish life because we are moving. I mean, uh, especially in the liberal movements, I will speak for the reform movement, it is uh, a priority. I think the Me Too movement has definitely made um, making sure that women are respected and um, valued in the workplace as rabbis much more of a prominent issue. Um, and, you know, but there's still many challenges. Women are not paid the same in, in rabbinic leadership. Um, there's not enough, there's not enough women in senior Jewish positions. I mean, my organization is a great example. It's made up of nine people. The executive director is the only male. This is very typical of Jewish organizations. And so we definitely have a ways to go. Um, and, but that also has to do with the support that our government is willing to give us as far as parental leave, child care, all these things that we need in order to make sure that everyone in a family can work to the extent that they can. Um, so there's greater issues at play. But as far as reformed Jewish rabbis, I think the movement is finally ready to lift them up and, and give them the tools they need to succeed. And, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting to also watch how over the last 50 years that it has grown and it has certainly embraced it. I know when... Um, you know, when I, when, when, when I applied to rabbinical school, one of the questions that was asked uh, of me was what, what are your views and what are your thoughts as women as rabbis? And I remember thinking to myself, and I think I may have said it out loud to the, the, the professors, the rabbis that were interviewing, you know, in, 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 in some way of almost like, what a stupid question. I've always had female rabbis, right? In the reform movement, Sally Priesen became the first rabbi in, first female rabbi in America in 1972. I was born in 78. So for me, I, you know, my, my synagogue has employed female rabbis since 1981. So I've always had that influence of having female rabbis, which has been really important. And I think at least for me, as well as for my kids, because I think it's really important for my kids to be able to see the fact that if there's a woman who has a leadership role and a huge impact that they can make on the Jewish world, isn't it incredibly empowering for them to know that they can be that? Um, and I remember just, I remember being struck by that by that comment of what are your views on women as rabbis? And I remember thinking to myself, what view? Of course I accept it. It's the life I live. It's 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 who I am. Um, you know, it just, you know, do you see obviously you must have seen throughout the course of your career so far a shift in terms of say even those entering into seminary where now it tends to be more women than men where of course a generation ago was much more men i mean have you seen have you seen like a huge shift was that a question for me yes 
Will you, will you repeat that? I was mesmerized by your handsomeness. And I... You know, that happens to me every show, Rabbi Rose. And it's the hair. The hair usually gets the producer. Yeah, producer just get mesmerized by yeah. Rabbi the Lesser's hair. Uh, can you repeat the question, counselor? Repeat the question. Okay, so um, a two-part question. One part. Sounds like. How have you seen... <laughs> How have you seen the role of women in leadership roles uh, shift and change? How has that been over the last, say, decade or so? And where do you see the future of it, the future for women? I definitely, I've definitely seen a change. I mean, just in my own life, um, I saw when I first started having kids, it would have been impossible for me to work full time. I think that's a, the case for a lot of young moms. And so I think now the movement is really trying to figure out the best way to support young families, because if you're going to jump into the rabbinate, that is an all encompassing job. And um, um, our our faith communities need to be a lot more supportive because this is the future. If the family's happy, the the the, the clergy are happy and the community is happy. You know? So I think people are finally waking up to that, that there's no such thing as a work-life balance anymore. All of, our all of our lives need to be supported all the time and people need to be understanding of that. And I, I believe the future is bright, but I do think that, um, there's ways to go as far as again that that still that central feeling that we're we're second rate or that congregation still would really prefer a a uh, a male uh, a straight male as a as a rabbi that's still the quintessential idea a rabbi that's what a rabbi is and a female rabbi is a female rabbi and we're looking for the day when you're just a rabbi without the descriptor hmm. yeah that's right that's right. And, and and yet we kind of have to use the descriptor right now in order to get there. It's like this, right? I mean, there's there's a little bit of, yeah, you just want to be, we just we just want a priest. We just want a good priest. Uh, yeah. But we know that the priest that we've been calling is usually looking the same way. And so now 80% of our churches are run by just white men. So, mm -hmm. so, so we have to be conscientious and intentional about expanding that leadership uh, but we want to get to the place where it's just like just just call a priest but it's so yeah it's, a, it's give and take all right so we're, we're 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 wrapping up the show but before we go before we send you off to go save the world rabbi rose um can you give us your top three women in the bible who are your go-tos and 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 maybe the king david's divas might be in there but if you could just give us your top three and and, and a quick why you know you don't have to go into great detail absolutely i'm gonna go with yo moses's mom because as a mom I cannot imagine how hard it would be to send a three-month-old baby. That's when they're the cutest down the Nile. But that's like ultimate mother's love. And she saved the Jewish people. Um, okay, the second, Yocheved. Yocheved. Um, in that spirit, I'll go along with this. Um, I, to, I'll reference Hannah, who you mentioned before, Christian, that she was so um, despondent over not having um, children that she took her spirituality into her own hands and 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 was inhibited uninhibited in her prayer and cried out to God and to me she's really the the role model for spontaneous um, personal prayer oh and the third one I'm gonna go with I'm gonna really I'm gonna go with um Leah I think she's really an unsung hero I think she had it really tough I think it's got to be super hard to like be uh share your husband with your hotter sister that cannot be easy she handled it with grace and um she really was a strong woman 
your your collection is different than any collection we've we've heard. So thank you. I don't think we've ever gotten a Moses mom before. So that's awesome. So so thank you for constantly introducing new names, expanding our understanding of the Word of God, Rabbi Rose, doing your call, what God has called you to do. Thank you, sister and lovely wife, and making a man out of this other guy on the show, Rabbi Matthew Durbin. We are honored uh, to have you on the show, but thank you. So if people want to get to know you more, is there any place online they can find you? Sure. They can check out my Instagram, Rose's Three Little Ladies. They can check out the Hillel of Broward and Palm Beach website, and they can follow us at FAU Hillel. F-A-U, Hillel, and that's where you'll find her. She's Rabbi Rose. She has rose-colored hair, and her heart is full of roses because she has the love of her life on the show, Rabbi Matthew Durbin and their three little girls. Um, so, Rabbi, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm going to see you guys tonight because tonight your husband has invited me. He's putting his career on the line. He's playing a, a career roulette by inviting me, a priest, over to the temple to preach the word and he said that if I want to, I can do the prayer and say in the name of Jesus at the end. That's that's how. <laughs> yeah. That's our number one request. Please do that. Please, yeah, please do that. Um, so, uh, all right. So, so, so that is, that is tonight. So we we continue our interfaith work here, at Rabbi Durbin. Of, of you preached at St. Mary's a couple of weeks ago, and, and now uh, we we complete that that loop. Soon, you will be also doing a lunch and learn at St. Mary's Episcopal Church, which you need to give me dates on, and teaching people about Judaism 101. Um, so, are you nervous before we go? How nervous are you about me taking your ambo tonight and preaching? No, I'm super excited. Uh, I'm 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 excited to hear your message uh, for the community to see you. I know that um, our community is we're real excited. We're really excited to to welcome you. You know, we have uh, a great relationship with um, with with St. Mary's, and we want to develop it and make it even stronger. So, you know, services tonight, six thirty at Temple Beit Hayam. All are welcome to join us. Uh, to hear, obviously, uh, Father Anderson and to uh, to experience a Shabbat evening service. We welcome you all. Uh, Ron, I was at the uh, emancipation anniversary uh, last night. Uh, as you know, Florida emancipated uh, the slaves two years later than the federal government did. Uh, but the last night was the, yesterday was the anniversary of it. And some of your parishioners were there, congregants were there, and came up to me and said, are you preaching tomorrow at Shabbat? I said, yeah, yeah. So you got the word out, man. So now the pressure is on. Um, all right, everyone. Listen, uh, we are a priest and a rabbi. We do have a podcast. So if you missed any part of the show, you don't want to miss Rabbi Rose. Go to Podbean or go on any podcast platform you have and subscribe and leave a comment. We actually got our first bad review. It was awesome. So please leave some bad reviews. Um, we love it. And someone unfollowed us because they think we talk too much. All right. God bless you all. We're going to see you here next Friday here on A Priest and a Rabbi. Durbin, you look very young today. Did you like get some, did you get some, some, some injections? No. I guess so, man. You look good. Did you stop we're, drinking or something? We're still, we're still recording. Oh, okay. <laughs>
you don't even drink. So that's amazing. You look very dapper. Whatever you're doing, keep on doing it. All right. One second. Let me just buy everyone on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to go record the podcast intro. Okay. Three, two, Good day, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. My name is Father Christian Anderson from St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Steve, Florida. Uh, and next to me is always the dapper, the well-coiffed hair, Rabbi Matthew Durbin. And today we have an incredible guest who's going to continue our momentum of looking at the women in the Bible and revealing what sometimes is hidden or not talked about uh, a lot because, you know, let's be real, the men get a lot of uh, the showcase. So, but their God it has not hindered these women and empowered them for them to inspire us and to become the children of God that we are. And so we're going to bring on Rabbi Rose. Rabbi Rose is, as we know, uh, Rabbi Matthew Durbin's better half. So for this show, we will call her Rabbi the Greater and refer to Rabbi Matthew as Rabbi the Lesser or Rabbi the Elder, since he's 20 years um, older than her. Not really, like seven. Rabbi Durbin, is she seven? Seven? Two? Two years? That's it? Oh, gosh. All right. It's just two. All right, guys. So we got another episode. So you know what to do. Subscribe and share this with people who are really into some good interfaith work. Um, I'll be preaching over at the temple. Um, Rabbi Durbin had already preached um, over at St. Mary's. So we love the conversation that happens um, on our on our podcast, on our social media outlets about interfaith work and your thoughts. Uh, Rabbi Durbin, as you know, we, we got excoriated. We got panned by someone on Twitter. And it was awesome just to have someone care enough to say a lot and yep. continues to say a lot to us. I, I actually thought it was great. Like, thank you for caring so much to like, let us know how bad you think we are. Um, so, um, all right, we are going to tap out and get ready. We're going to stretch our muscles, flex our tongues and get ready to speak with Rabbi Rose. And we're going to probably shut up so we don't mansplain and allow her to lead us. So let's get ready for another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi that starts right now. <laughs> 